Welcome to Inside and Out uh, with your host, Micah Marino, as well as we got Jonathan Lidskin today um, and Jonah Taffel as well. Today, the plan is that we're going to recap what just passed, which is um, the NFL draft. So, without further ado, um, it's up to you guys. We can start with reaches. Um, we we can talk about what you know the reaches in the draft, maybe some of the steals, um, and then maybe the teams that won or lost. Whatever you want to talk about first. What do you want to start with? I think we should start with the value picks. Okay. Or the steal, the steals. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. I'm gonna give a few, and then you know we'll go around. But um, the my number one, at, at least I'll go from the like the highest drafted to the lowest, but um. Jedrick Wills, I think, was a was a present for the, for the Cleveland Browns. I thought he was going to go four or five to pick four or five, but slipping to ten was tremendous value um, for a team that really needed an offensive tackle. Tristan Wirfs, as well, I think, was great value. C.D. Lamb um, was fantastic value to the Cowboys. They didn't even have a need there, but fantastic fit. Um, Jerry Judy, I think that was a great pick. Justin Jefferson, I have no idea how he slipped to the Vikings, which we'll talk about later. But th- those are five. Jonathan, give me give me five. Uh, Jonah, give me a few, and then I'll circle back with a few more. Yeah, I agreed with a couple that you said there. C.D. Ryan and Jerry Judy, both guys that I do have on my list. But I'm going to go more deeper into the draft, kind of straight away from the first round. I thought, first of all, that A.J. Apanasa slipping to the Bills was unbelievable. Agreed. I it went much higher. And Absolutely agree. A perfect situation for them. I also like Patrick Queen to the Ravens at 28. Uh, I thought they had a needed linebacker in this draft, and I thought he was better, better than Kenneth Murray, who was picked five picks before him. Um, I also like Denzel Mims, who slipped to the late second round to the Jets. I thought he was going to when day two started. I thought he was going to go early second round. Then Higgins went, Claypool went, other receivers went, and somehow Denzel Mims got all the way to the Jets at the end of the second round, and then. The one other guy, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, slipped to the late, later third round. I thought he was the best offensive guard in the draft, and he was going to go somewhere mid to late second round. But he ended up going all the way in the late third round. So th- those are a couple that I thought for were sure. really good value picks. Jonah, what do you got? Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Just a couple, like Liddy said, back going to uh, later parts of the draft here. Specifically as a Packers fan, looking at the receivers more into the depth, was Devin Duvernay and the Ravens selection of him. And just looking at some of the stats, he can show you with his 5'10", 200-pound frame. And just as I was reviewing and make my mocks earlier in the process, I thought there had to be something wrong with him because I always heard about how great of hands he had. And then looking deeper in with his 4'3", 40-yard dash and nine touchdowns and 106 receptions this past season with a 13.1 yards per catch. Just seems like the perfect fit for the Ravens. Just give Lamar Jackson some more weapons to go along with that attack they have. And then sticking with the Ravens, I really like the Malik Harrison pick out of Ohio State. Absolutely. And just looking at Malik Harrison, kind of a linebacker who can swarm the field, another quick guy with a 4-6-6 40-yard dash, and had a pretty solid year, had 75 tackles, and 49 of those were solos to go along with three and a half sacks. So you're kind of getting a guy who can just fly around the field and do it all for you with Malik Harrison. You see, so uh, with with that, I mean, I think you left me in a perfect spot with with an Ohio State guy. Look at the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins was, in my opinion, a tremendous pick for them. I think he comes into a perfect scenario. I don't know if there's a there's a team that was a better fit for J.K. Um, you know, 
looking at J.K. Dobbins playing college football, he was unbelievable. Um, super flashy, huge play, huge plays all over the place. I think it's a, it's a great fit for him. Um, I think you touched on a few good ones. Um, Duvernay, you see, I, I completely agree with you. I think that was, that was a really good pick for them. Um, when I looked at it, Duvernay was a guy that, um, I think vertical speed, you know, you look at the 40 yard dash, he'll test well. Uh, the issue I had with him was he wasn't really fast twitchy. You see with a lot of these guys, including, like you said, Denzel Mims, um, off the break, they're really fast twitch. I just didn't see that from Duvernay. Um, and I didn't really see the production that I was hoping for. Um, but I do think there's a lot there. I think he, like you said, his hands are fantastic. Um, and, and that vertical speed, if you can transition that into more, you know, fast twitch, uh, and maybe get some better route running, I, I think you are a hundred percent correct with where you went with that. Um, another few picks, you tore gross matos, um, was expected from many to go in the first round. Obviously slipped out of there, went to the second round to the Panthers. I think that was a tremendous pick um, by the Panthers and Matt Rule. And I'm going to put this bit in there. I know this is supposed to be an NFL draft uh, podcast, but Matt Rule, um, for all that know me personally, Matt Rule uh, I have always admired very highly. And I think he's he's a... He's a, a, like a premium team builder. Uh, that's how I would establish him. He builds a culture. He builds a team that really is built to win games. Um, I think what Matt Rule is doing for the, for the Carolina Panther, Panthers is just fantastic. And I think Yator Gross Matos is perfect for what they're looking for. I mean, they, they got uh, Derek Brown, right? And then they, they add, doubled down on defense with Yator Gross Matos. I really like what they're doing. I don't know about you, but Jonathan, what do you think about those picks? Yeah, I mean, the Panthers, I really think, hit a home run. We'll get into them later with uh, one of my teams that had a really good draft. But I want to go back to what uh, you talked about with J.K. Dobbins. I also had him as my as one of my value picks. And I want to really go into why he was the fifth running back taken in this draft. Many expected him to maybe even be the first. So I think what you get with Dobbins is you get a running back that does a lot of things really well. And what you don't get is you don't get – uh, like special attribute that you might get with like DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. Clyde Edwards Taylor was, I think, was an exception because the Chiefs don't really need a dynamic running back that can carry the ball twenty to twenty-five times a game. So they were just, I think that was more of a fit uh, pick at running back. Then you had Swift, which was most people's number one running back, although he was not mine. Uh, really, really good in space. Uh, really good changing direction. Then Jonathan Taylor's speed combined with his power, I think, is obviously makes him a special player. And so I think Dobbins is going to be a really good NFL running, running back. But the reason he's the was the fifth one taken, I think, was just because he doesn't do anything specifically un, um, amazingly. He does everything really well, but he doesn't have that one great attribute that you might look for in another running back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, John, is there, is there any other team or any other pick you really liked in particular? Um, sticking with the running backs here, Liddy kind of mentioned it with Jonathan Taylor, but I just think that was an exceptional pick with the fit with that offense. With the Colts, just having him kind of two-headed monster thing with Marlon Mack in the backfield, I think can be a very solid thing moving forward for Indianapolis. So, For just, sure, yeah. Yep. Um, 
See, I don't want to toot my own horn with, with the Jets. I'm a Jets fan. But I think they really knocked it out of the park with this draft. Uh, you, you look at two value picks I had. Denzel Mims out of Baylor. I think that was a tremendous pick at slot 59. Um, if, you, if you paid attention, Joe Douglas worked the impossible. Um, at pick 48, Mims fell there. Everyone was shocked because it went Mims and then Claypool and then eh. I mean, really, you were talking Mims was the only wide receiver of even, I would say, his category, which would be maybe second-round pick value um, at the wide receiver position. And uh, Douglas traded back 11 picks. Listen, I know most people don't follow the Jets' Twitter, but it is very, to describe the fan base, I would say into it is generous. Um, Everyone was like, Joe Douglas, the Jets fans have an affinity for Joe Douglas. We are we love him. He's the Messiah. However, when they traded out of this pick, there was a lot of backlash because everyone wanted Denzel Mims. They traded back 11 picks, rolled the dice, picked up pick 104, and they still had Mims at 59. It was a tremendous roll of the dice. Now, what I'll follow up with this is he then proceeded to turn pick 104 into three picks. So you turn nothing into three extra picks. Um, and the other value pick they had, which I was so impressed with, was Bryce Hall, uh, a cornerback out of Virginia. Obviously, injury concerns. That's why he slipped. Um, if he had declared last year, he was a, he was pretty much a clear-cut first-round pick, uh, but he tried to, to bet on himself, and he just, you know, had an unlucky injured injury, you know, year filled with injury. Um, but I really like the pick by the Jets. Um, I think Christian Fulton, Lidskin, I know you really like Christian Fulton. Mm-hmm. Give me your rundown on him. Yeah, he was a guy that is definitely a first-round talent, and many saw him maybe going around 20 to Jacksonville, but he ended up slipping towards the back end of the second round, and I believe Tennessee was the one who ended up snagging him. He's he's really good. He's great in press press coverage. Will get up in your face, but is a physical corner. The problem with him is his char- his character is just not the greatest. He's not a great locker room guy. Not a great teammate. So I'm assuming many t- many teams did not like that, and that's the reason he slipped to the Titans. Before we re- before we really move on, there's one more cornerback I want to talk about that I wrote down as one of my value picks. That's Amik Robertson. The Raiders took him at the end of the fourth round. This was. A questionable prospect for many. Michael, I know you're not the biggest fan of him because of his height. Correct. He is only 5'9", but he's really good ball skills. His alertness is fantastic. I think that makes up for his lack of soccer. Uh, I watched his film against te- Texas. He looked phenomenal in it. And I think even at 5'9", he'd be a really good NFL cornerback. Um, I'm going to... Listen, okay, so this is nothing against Amik Robertson. I think he's... He has, uh, you, you know, a lot of potential. I would say about Amik Robertson, I would classify him as, I would say, a second-round talent had he not had a height deficiency. Um, I think I can see why people like him. Um, his play style is attractive. He hits hard. He plays with intent. He plays aggressive. Um, I, I can see the appeal. However... For me personally, the height is a huge concern. 
Um, I'm, I'm not perfectly sold on him, to be honest with you. Um, I preferred Bryce Hall. And I think if you're looking at the Raiders pick, they, the Raiders were the ones that I think that, that took him. They had Bryce Hall sitting there. I would have taken Hall. Uh, that would have been my choice. But again, I think, you know, I can see the reasoning behind rolling the dice with him. I'm not an Amik Robertson fan. That's just me. Um, Jonah, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear, is there any, any person, any player that you wanted the Packers to get that just did not go to the Packers? Um, I see you're talking to me with the disappointment I had. Yes, I'm talking but, to you about that. Yeah, specifically staying with the wide receiver class, you kind of mentioned a bunch of them, but like I already said with Devin DuVernay, going to Baltimore, like, see, that could have been a good fit, going alongside Devontae Adams, some of the other pieces they have lining up beside of him, but just some of the other guys, uh, Michael Pittman went to the Colts early, yep. like, and, uh, today or whatever, yep. but that was a really good fit for, the, for Indy. What about LaVisca? Chase Claypool is another big guy, yep. a lot of comparisons with Calvin Johnson and his speed with that height he has at 6'4". I uh, can hear you're kind of mentioning LaVisca Chenault, yes. who I spoke a lot with uh, with you about before the draft, and I really did like the skills that he had, as you kept mentioning him as a Marshawn Lynch type of receiver. As mm-hmm. in, he's going to try to run through the defensive back as opposed to around him, which can lead him to a couple injuries he's had in the past. But was definitely disappointed to uh, come out of the draft without a single receiver, even though I saw they added a couple undrafted under, uh, free agents. But definitely not the route that I expected the package to take, nor wanted them to take in this draft. I, I mean, I could see why. Um, I think I'm going to close off with about six of my other value picks. Um, we talked about Christian Fulton. I think that was a tremendous pick. Um, Willie Gay Jr. Uh, I am way higher on him than most. I think the Chiefs got an absolute steal in the later rounds um, by taking Willie Gay. I think it was the late second round, maybe late third. I really like that pick by the Chiefs. Um, Antonio Gibson. This is not necessarily a steal. I just like the pick. Um, Antonio Gibson was someone I thought would slip a little further then maybe, I mean, if you looked at his draft stock about a week and a half prior to the draft, most people classified him as maybe a fifth-round pick. Um, he gained serious steam from, from people I talked to. He was rising up draft boards very quickly. Um, so they grabbed him at the, at, at the beginning of the, of the third round. I think that was pretty much in line with where he should have gone, but I just like the player. I think he's going to pan out a lot better than, than most people think. Josh Jones. I think that was a huge slip by Josh Jones that I really couldn't see. Um, I think we're going to transition to reaches soon, but I actually like him more than Austin Jackson, who the Dolphins took at 18. I think Josh Jones has unlimited potential as a pass protector. Just his run protection is something that leaves room to be desired, I will generously say. Troy Dye is another linebacker I like that slipped in the draft. Um, I think I applaud the Vikings for taking him. Uh, I'm higher on him than most, uh, like some of these players. And Zach Moss. Zach Moss was my running back, too. I'm really, really high on Zach Moss. I applaud the Bills. They got so many amazing value picks. Um, so I I credit Brandon Bean for a fantastic draft. Um, I'm going to go transition to reaches. I'm going to start off with Austin Jackson, like I said earlier. I am not a fan. What are your opinions on that Austin Jackson pick? Well, I 
actually have it as one of my reaches too. This was a guy that I wasn't high on since for since a while, and I pretty much figured based on like what the media and scouts were saying that he was going to get take, taken in the first round. And even though I, I just I haven't liked him since the Holiday Bowl in December when he got absolutely killed by AJ Epinesa. So I, I thought Josh Jones was a, a much better pick here for Miami if they wanted to go offensive tackle. I even thought Ezra Cleveland would have been a better pick at 18. So I thought both those guys would have been better than Austin Jackson. I don't think he's a very good pass protector at all. And USC obviously did a lot of that. Jonah, you a fan? No, like both you guys said, I think across the board we dislike the pick of Austin Jackson. But I know that a lot of the pros of him was his hand play has been long reach because he's definitely got the measurables. But then he seemed to be a little bit slower in his footwork. And just his overall strength seemed to be kind of lacking at times during the season. So I definitely would have gone in different routes, like you said, with either Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland. Yeah, so I'm, I agree with you. And and this is just what I think is interesting. You pull up the tape, like Jonathan said, if you look at A.J. Epinesa versus Austin Jackson, it was just an absolute embarrassment on the behalf of Austin Jackson. And we saw Epinesa go around after him. Um which I think tells a, a, an important story, in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I think Austin Jackson went too high. Um, I know we're all going to agree Damon Arnett was absolutely just dumb. I, I, I have no idea why he went that high. Um, and Jalen Rieger. Uh, Jalen Rieger, I mean, you're sitting there as, as the Eagles. Listen, I think Jalen Rieger was probably around one talent. But when you have Justin Jefferson there, how can you pass on him? Uh, uh, do you what? What's your guys' thoughts? Do you think they should have gone with Jefferson, or do you think there's enough upside with Rieger to stay there? All right, I agree and disagree with you on Jalen Rieger. The thing with Rieger is, should they t- should have the Eagles taken Justin Jefferson? Yeah, he's better and he's a much safer receiver, which the Eagles need. But was he a reach? I don't necessarily think so because he probably would have been the next pick to the Minnesota Vikings anyway. So. I, I consider him the number five receiver in the draft. And so, so I don't think he was a, a, a reach being the fourth receiver taken. Question for you. Are you guys a fan of the Derek Brown pick or no? I am. I, I think it made perfect sense. Um, I would have preferred if the Panthers took Isaiah Simmons um, just because they lost Luke Keekley. They obviously needed to replace him. But their pass rush was probably the main thing that they needed to target and they ended up getting the Turk Ross Matos who can play linebacker in the second round anyway and so it didn't bother me that much Derek Brown's numbers for defensive tackle in college were insane and that was playing in the FC against some really good running backs and offensive linemen so I, I was fine with them taking Simmons or Derek Brown and then obviously Turk Ross Matos just made the pick look even smarter John did you like that pick or no I kind of like what Linskin said. I was kind of undecided on whether well, how I felt about it, because you definitely know you're getting a significant pass rush help to your defense. But at the same time, Linskin mentioned Isaiah Simmons, who the Cardinals somehow ended up with. And I just feel that he is a much more well-rounded player, that he can do a lot more things for your football team. And even though, like it was already presented, that Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis both lost the Panthers, they're kind of lacking in that area as well. I just feel that Isaiah Simmons would have helped in multiple facets with pass rush coverage, just flying around the field, making plays for that Carolina defense. See, I, I agree with you in one sense, and I completely disagree with you in another. Um, 
I am not a fan of the Derek Brown pick. Um, Derek Brown, it, it, the biggest issue for, for me um, is his testing was absolutely embarrassing. Okay, and I'm not trying to rip the guy. But I just want to observe something. His 40-yard dash was 5.16. Placed him in the 16th percentile for all defensive linemen. Vertical jump of 27. Put him in the 12th percentile. And realize, listen, I'm no elite athlete. But if my vertical is 5.5 inches higher than an NFL prospect, probably not a good sign. In his 20-yard shuttle. I don't know who's calculating your vertical, but I don't think you got that. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Just... Yeah, okay. Now, here, here's the thing about Derek Brown. What they said about him is, is every scout and every coach knew he wasn't going to test well, all right? His body just isn't made to test well, but he was really good on the on the field. And right. His, his numbers were unreal, and his tape was really good. And so it, it didn't matter that his not, his combine numbers weren't, really, weren't very good because his tape was off the charts. Now, what, what is interesting see is does that translate to the NFL because in the NFL you're playing against bigger stronger faster offensive linemen as you um and in college you, you just don't see that on a consistent basis so it'll be interesting to see if Derek Brown's game translates to the NFL does his 20 yard shuttle of 479 which placed in the 10th percentile and the three cone drill which for me is really important of 8.22 seconds which placed in the first percentile first so that's like as bad as it gets okay does that concern you it doesn't because for me listen i completely agree with you i mean on the field you watch the tape it's impressive it reminded me of quentin williams without the athleticism well here's the thing Derek brown relies obviously mainly on power right to, to get by he, he just kind of bulldozes guys and gets through which is explains his his tackles and so What's interesting is that in the NFL, to be a really good defensive tackle, you need to be able to beat a guard or a center in more than one way. And so if Derrick Brown doesn't, doesn't develop, this could be a struggle for his, for his NFL career because being just a power guy doesn't always work in the NFL. Now, his power could be so overwhelming that he could be just a power guy, and that's how his NFL career could be. But I'd like to see him develop a little, a little more, maybe get a little more athletic, Maybe maybe get faster something 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 to show that he's more just than just a power guy. Agreed. Kenneth Murray thoughts. Um, Jonah. I can start on this one, and then J- Jonah can give us a value. Sounds good. Right I like Kenneth Murray just because of his speed. He's really athletic. He's really fast. He can make an impact on a lot of teams in the NFL. But Patrick Queen is m- much better as a prospect than he was. I thought that should have been the Chargers pick if they wanted to go linebacker. And I, I was kind of surprised that they did go Murray Murray over Queen. But I, I, it's, not, it's nothing against Kevin Murray. I think he'll be a solid player. I just think Patrick Queen's much better. Jonah. I also tend to agree with what Liskin just mentioned about the linebackers. I just think that when you look at the two defenses these linebackers are coming from, you've got Kenneth Murray from a pretty weak all-around Oklahoma defense. And I just feel that you look at his stats, and if you just looked at him, and it's just on paper, you're like, wow, this guy is a fantastic player. He's going to do everything for you, and it's exactly the linebacker you want in the first round. 
And then you maybe watch some of the tape and you realize how inflated some of his numbers may actually be. And it's like when you're getting past your D-line on every run play and it's just getting straight to the linebackers and then it's the secondary, it makes perfect sense that you're going to get some inflated tackle numbers, which I, from uh, personal reference, have seen Blake Martinez do in the past with the Packers just due to the fact that their D-tackles are so absolutely weak that every play is four to five yards is playing straight in the linebackers' hands. I just feel that... Like you said, Patrick Queen is a much better pick as his LSU defense. He was able to be a leader on that on a successful defense that will not only help them win the national championship, but just move forward a bunch of different guys in that team. I, I mean, I would agree with you. I, I like I like Patrick Queen a lot. I had Kenneth Murray's linebacker six. A lot lower than most people. Not the biggest fan. Uh, I wanted to I, – I just got a tweet. Really interesting story. The Seahawks have just signed FIU running back Anthony Jones to an undrafted free agent deal. He is the uncle of Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. How is that even possible? So apparently he got shot uh, in the head by a drive-by drive, drive shooting, missed his brain by centimeters. So he took a lot of time off and then came back to school to, to graduate. Um, but I guess that's a, it's kind of a crazy story. Oh, uh, there was me... that other player I want to say who I saw on ESPN in college who was like that uncle that came back for one last carry or something. It was a big heroic thing. Yeah, I remember that. It was I like remember he got that. his eligibility because something happened during his college days. But I don't know. I'm not going to discredit someone before I see him play. But it definitely seems like a difficult situation coming in as a uncle of a running back. But yeah, I have no idea. I, actually, I, I have more in part than you guys might agree with or might disagree with. Yes. I th- everyone's telling me how great the Giants draft was. I think Xavier McKinney is just not a gr- great pick at safety. I don't know. I think I think it was. I mean, here's the thing. As a first-round pick, I completely agree with you. But I think that's tremendous value in the second round. I, I just think, okay, could he be a really good NFL player? He could be. I think his anticipation as a safety is a little under par. Like, you watch a guy like Antoine Winfield, who went, I believe, eight or so picks after him to the Buccaneers. I watched Winfield against Penn State. His anticipation is incredible. And then I watched McKinney against LSU, which I know LSU was in LSU, but there were just times when he just looked completely lost lost out there, and Joe Burrow absolutely torched him for, for a deep ball. So I personally valued Winfield and Grant Delpit, who went right after Antoine Winfield, over, or right before him, over Xavier McKinney. Th- that's just me. He, he could be a good pro. I, c- I could be dead wrong, but I think he's a little overrated. Let me share with you. Oh, Jonah, you want to share your thoughts? No, I was just, just kind of a brief thing. I do agree with Litskin that I I feel Grant Delpit was one of the better, if not the best, safety coming out of the draft this year, just due to his, like, just seems like a big physical guy you know you got back there as a last line of defense who's just gonna help make sure that nobody's just lollygagging back there because they know they're getting hit across the middle and just stuff like that and then xavier mckinney's got some good measurables but everything except his haircut looking like a fake x6x but besides that i do think he could be a solid NFL player, player if he pans out due to these measurables that he has going does that have anything to do with the hair or is uh the hair kind of like a X mixed with the last airbender type thing, and I really don't like the vibes coming from it. But I got it. Interesting. that, if he can get it fit in the helmet, I think he's got a good profile of a six foot two oh one for safety, four six three forty. so I just feel like he can fly around the field. So once he gets that haircut, I think he can fit in really well into that defense. That's, that's, wow. Interesting. I've never... Uh, we've had 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty in-depth. Once he fixes the hair, boom. Yeah, I like it. All right, I'm going to throw at you some some of my reaches. I want to see whatever sticks to the wall. You tell me whichever one you think you want to talk about. Robert Hunt, uh, second-round pick to the Dolphins, just thought it was a little too high. Um, I did think that there would be a run early on these offensive guards, but I didn't want that to happen because I didn't think there was proper value for that. Um, Daryl Taylor, I, I didn't think anyone saw that coming. I It was just a dreadful draft for the Seahawks, in my opinion. Uh, Van Jefferson to the Rams, I didn't like that. Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. A.J. Terrell, I just did not like to the Falcons. Javon Kinlaw, just think there's too much risk there. Jordan Brooks, um, I didn't see that coming. And then Isaiah Wilson, I knew it was coming, and I still didn't like it. Um, what do you guys think, Jonathan? Pick out a few of these, and I want yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. There were two that you mentioned that stood out to me. The first one I want to talk about is Van Jefferson. I actually, I think he was a little overdrafted, um, just because Denzel Mims was obviously the next pick after him, but... I do think he's going to be a good good wide receiver. He's a, he's a really good route, route runner, runner. Excuse me. He's big, so you can just go up and get get the ball. I think he'll be a good pro. I, I I don't see any problem with that. He was a little overdrafted, but I, I was okay with it. I thought he should have been an early third round pick. The other one was Henry Ruggs. This was kind of the same thing with Jalen Rager, except I think Henry Ruggs is like obviously a lot better than Jalen Rager. So like the gap between Ruggs and Judy isn't as big as Jefferson and Rager, is what I'm trying to say. I thought Ruggs, had he not been taken at 12, was going to be the next pick to the 49ers anyway. I thought the only reason the 49ers were okay with trading down is because Henry Ruggs was their guy, and he was off the board already. So I, I was perfectly okay with, with the Raiders taking him as the first wideout taken. His speed obviously ran the fastest 40 at the combine at 4.27. I know some people were a little disappointed in that because he didn't break the record, but He's unbelievably fast. His route running needs some work, but I don't think the Raiders reached really at 12. Jonah, out of the guys I gave you, what do you think? I got a guy that you you just mentioned, but let's get in touch on with uh, Robert Hunt, who went to the Dolphins fairly early. And despite talking with Jake Hamburg, who might give you a slightly biased opinion, I really did not like that pick as early as it came. (laughs) Just doing some brief reading, it seems that he's got all the power he needs, yet... Sometimes he tends to tire himself out very quickly, and then when you got speed rushers coming at him, he seems to get, he's just way too gassed to keep up with them, and that seems where he has some of his issues, along with the fact that he seems to be fitting into a man-blocking scheme, and besides that, he seems to be pretty weak compared to some of his other, some of the competitors he's going up against. So I just feel that with his lack of footwork, he might have the strength, but I feel that he might be outdueled by some of these big guys like Derek Brown we just mentioned. So I just think that he needs to do a lot of work. Not saying that he can't get there, but I just think there's a lot of things that need to change or need to be fixed in order to prevent him from falling into one of those trap tackles who just fall out of the draft, or he just remembers one of those people who should never been drafted. So AJ Terrell, I don't like him. I, I, I mean, if you look at Jamar Chase, just rip him up. I know my brother, as a Falcons fan, will ignore my comments, but... I think if you look at the stat line of Jamar Chase, I don't think there's any explanation needed. Do you guys like A.J. Terrell as, as the uh, 16th or 17th pick of the draft? Okay. Whether you like the pick or not, the Falcons need to pick a corner. Sure. 
everyone agreed that after Okuda won and Henderson at two, the third corner was kind of up for debate. Whether it was Christian Fulton, A.G. Terrell, Trayvon Diggs, even Jeff Gladney, Gladney could have been in that debate. But I think it's a kind of unfair to fault A.G. Terrell for having a not-so-good game against the possibly best receiver in college football. But is that – can you use that as a knock? Because – if he's going to be in the pros as a cornerback one, isn't he going to be facing the number one of an NFL team? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, okay, first of all, if you watch the tape of that game, Jamar Chase slightly pushed off on one of his touchdowns. I, and then one he, of the other one, the other touchdown was actually pretty good coverage. Joe Burrow just made an absolutely perfect throw. And so he, he had some other, other coverages that were questionable. Um, he need, he definitely needs some work. Uh, he's a really raw prospect, AJ Terrell is. But I don't have a problem with the pick, really. My question to you is, if AJ Terrell, like, if you didn't want AJ Terrell right. to be pick at sixteen, who did you really want them to take? See, they didn't have that many other needs. So this is what I was thinking. Um, first of all, I think you forgot to mention the one play where I think AJ Terrell forgot where his ankles were um, when he got juked out by that running back. That's that's the first part. I, I just. I think he, he has a problem with missed tackles, um, and I really I, – I like him. He was my – I actually preferred Fulton, who went like 50 picks later over him. That's the first part. The second part is this. He, yeah, it, uh, they need a cornerback. But, I mean, there's no denying that when you have Brady in the division, you have Teddy Bridgewater in the division, you have – Drew Brees in the division, all with fantastic wide receivers, you need a good cornerback. However, I think you have to employ the strategy that some of these other teams are doing. If you look at the model that most of these teams in that division employ, they get elite targets, and I, what the Bucks are going to try to do this year is get so many good receivers that you can't your number three is covering a pro bowler, you know, like there's just so many options that you can't cover on a defense. And the reason, you know, where I'm going with this is you got CD lamb sitting there. Why don't you take a roll of the dice on CD lamb? Yeah. You got Julio Jones, but make it Julio Jones. I would, I'm almost hundred percent certain CD lamb would start over Calvin Ridley. And then you have Calvin Ridley in the slot. Do you know how much harder that makes it for a defense? If that wasn't the pick, I think Kalevon Chason was a perfect fit there. I really am just not, I'm not pleased with this selection. If you are taking a cornerback in the first round this high, I would really hope he can cover elite wide receivers. And that is just not the case. And that's my opinion. I understand what you're saying. I understand. I think Fulton would have been fine here. Now, I will tell you, Fulton have off-the-field concerns that I'm aware about that are perfectly fine, and that's why he slipped. But on on the field, you're talking about a cornerback in the first round. I He has to be able to cover other number ones. Look at Marshawn Lattimore. He was able to cover other number ones. A.J. Terrell does not look the part as a first round cornerback that's my thought. What do you what are you thinking, Jonah? Okay, but like if you're what do you let me here's the here's my question. Go ahead. What are you basing AJ Terrell not being able to cover number 1 one off? Okay, and then in his big in the biggest game of his career, he got he gave up 212 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, but here's the thing. 
Trayvon Diggs wasn't able to cover Jamar Chase. I never he said I like Trayvon Diggs. I had Trayvon Diggs as my cornerback six. He has issues too. And the, every one of these cornerbacks in the first round had a bad game at one point or another. Je- Jeff Okuda in the Fiesta Bowl got ripped apart by Justin Ross. But but let's okay. Here's the thing: when we're talking about AJ Terrell versus Jeff Okuda, Tavo, feel free to jump in where you want. But I just think you are talking about two completely different football players. Jeff, yes, we have you know cornerbacks can have bad games all over the place. But AJ Terrell, I am just I, listen. I watched a three or four games of Terrells. I watched the national championship. I, I watched a few other big games. He he stays close to receivers on most plays, but the issue is he gives up the big play too much. That's the issue because, listen, fans aren't ups. Fans are you know really happy when he when there's a pass breakup. But then guess what? That you know every every fan is just hoping there's not a big play to erupt. And when you have AJ Terrell as your cornerback one, I am not certain at all that that's the case. That's me, Jonah. What do you think? All I know is, like, uh, real quick before Taft jumps in, all, all I'm going to say is, A.J. Terrell, I think, his second, who was the second best receiver he played last year? Probably K.J. Hill in the Fiesta Bowl? Well, if that's the case, then he didn't face a lot of good receivers. He didn't. He played in the ACC, which is not necessarily his fault. He played in a really good program. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Daz Newsome from UNC, he, he played against um, Joe Reed in the ACC Championship. We're talking about bots. I'm I'm not saying these were great receivers, but like I think he did a pretty pretty good job throughout the year. I mean, Clemson's problem was never really that they were were giving up huge plays until LSU. I mean, the, the big plays they gave up to Ohio State were all on the ground. Jonah, I want to I want to hear Jonah. What what do we got here? Yeah, as you guys have been going on for whatever, I've been kind of putting a bunch of pieces together for what you guys have been putting down here. And just good. I know we talked about Derek Brown like probably 20 minutes ago, and it just kind of pieces together with the whole, do you want the on-field or do you want what the stats are giving you, the combine, like all the metrics, what those are based off of. And I feel that you see, like you mentioned with A.J. Terrell just not being too certain on the, on the deep ball as your number one cornerback. It kind of turns into a thought process of whether you want to take a chance on a guy because you know he's a terrific athlete, he's got good pattern matching skills and quick feet and all this stuff. And you think that he can pan out eventually once you like work with him a little bit on his technique, or to take the guy who might not have all these like quick forty yard dashes and a forty inch vertical, but you've seen him do it in games. Like we said with Eric Brown, that yeah, he might be slow as shit in the combine, but you know he's coming on the field and he's gonna pound your nose tackle and do or he is the nose tackle, he's gonna pound your center or whatever straight to his face as he gets the quarterback. So just like a NFL comparison, while I was thinking about this, that how you guys have been saying about how there's big games and everything. Like, do you guys consider Jari Alexander to be a good cornerback in the NFL? Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan, but... Yeah, so yeah, he's pretty good, right? He's pretty young, drafted like two or three years ago. And every year, or the past, since he's been in the league, since he's been sustainable, and I watch him, and it's like, you watch the first couple games, he'll play some average receivers, and they'll look very good, help maybe like an interception, a bunch of pass breakups, play the whole season well until he goes to Dallas. And then he plays Amari Cooper, and every single time, he just gets torn to shreds by Amari Cooper. Puts up, like, 200-yard games every single time. And then it leaves me just sitting there on the couch thinking, like, what is this number one cornerback? And you look, and Kevin King's sitting there and on the ground, and he's got a groin injury now, and you're just like, what is going on in this defense? <laughs> and I just think it goes to, you 
got to make a decision on whether you're willing to take risks on pure athleticism or if you're more concerned on what the players are doing on the field. So it's basically just what I put together from everything you guys have said. I mean, yeah, like, I think that your conversation that just transpired in your own head is the debate between Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown. Javon Kinlaw did not produce at the college level, but he went to the combine and he had, he just wowed all the scouts. Whereas Derek Brown went to the combine and everyone's like, man, this guy's going to be, wow, he's just unbelievable. And he was terrible. I mean, he tested in the one percentile in one of those events. So yes, I, I see what you're saying. I think the value of testing exists. Um, I have always been one. I, I, I was, I was, I was talking to an NFL uh, a scout that I, I was interested in hearing his opinion on this, and he said this. When he sees a – I mean, this is, this is not overall testing, but this is just a thought that he gave me. When you see a quarterback hit a throw in, in, like a, in the combine, right, when they're doing the, the throwing or even a, the pro day – and you see them hit a throw that they have never been able to hit in a game, he will deduct points from his grade. And the reason so behind that Herbert is... Every, every throw in the combine? What? Yeah. Yes. Herbert, yes. The reason behind that is... Ju- that is a thing. Like, a lot, of, a lot of people, right? Let's say you don't have the arm strength um, at this level. So you're not going to be able to make that throw. That's fine, because you can develop the arm strength. But if they know you can make it in a practice and they don't and they know you can't make it in a game, then that means you have all the talent and ability. You just can't translate it to the game. And that's not something that will change at the pro level. On, a, on this exact same topic, I'm not a fan of Justin Herbert. And I know you two aren't as well. So I, I would agree with you that Justin Herbert is probably a practice quarterback. That's my thought. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to put it. He is, he's a practice quarterback. That's it. I mean, he's the most inconsistent prospect I have ever seen. And you could make the argument for Mitchell Trubisky, a quarterback, that he was the same way. And that's actually my comparison for for him. Um, <laughs> the difference was Mitch only played 13 college games. Justin Herbert's played, played for, what, three or four years at Oregon? And he's still been this in- inconsistent. You could argue that Mario Cristobal was pulling him back. I don't think that's the case. Their offense was designed because Justin Herbert would be so inconsistent in some games. You watch his film against Colorado, and he looks like the number one pick. Then you go and watch his film against Cal, and Marino, your new Jets player, Ashton Davis, looked like a stud in that he game. He did. Herbert's anticipation is terrible. Yeah. So, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think Justin Herbert's going to be a good quarterback, and Frankly, unfortunately for the Chargers, I think this is going to set them back for a little while. Jonah, I I have a question for you. I watched uh, the bowl game against Wisconsin, and listen, I know I know Oregon won, but I wasn't impressed with Herbert's performance. They won the game. It seemed like a Bears game where Mitch Trubisky does very mediocre, and they still pull off the win. What were your thoughts about Justin Herbert just in that game and, and overall? Well, I was literally, as you're speaking, analyzing the stats from this game. And if you're telling me that you're getting outperformed by Jack Cohn, who literally could be better off, maybe he's a lefty. I don't know if he has a good out, but... Love it. Herbert just drove for 138 yards and one interception, and then you got Cohn with 186 yards, one interception, but also a touchdown. It is literally disgusting to figure out that a team could put up 28 points 
and your quarterback has 138 yards, no touchdowns, your running back has zero touchdowns, you're like, oh, where's this coming from? And you look, and rushing TDs for Herbert, so I guess you get a bright spot there with his mobility, but if you're taking a quarterback with, what, the sixth pick the Chargers took him with? Yeah. You just really do not see the need to take a quarterback who you are predominantly just off his mobility and his ability, like his athleticism, that I just don't see the stuff that he's done in the uh, combine, all the impressive stuff he does in the combine. I just really haven't seen been transferred onto the field. I agree. Really back to our conversation we keep having here, that I'm rather I'd rather take someone like Tua who went the pick before, obviously, and it's like this guy literally you know when he's on the field because every time he's on the field he dominates everybody he plays. Yeah. And it's like Herbert might win couple games, couple big games against Wisconsin, like we said, with a 28-27 score. But he played a really horrible game. And it's just going back to my main point that I'd really rather have the player who's performing on the field. I really did not care what his measurables or what his stats have in the combine before that. I agree with you. Um, yeah. I wanted to transition to teams that I thought won the draft. Um, I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of a Jets bit in here because I think that's where I know, you know, my widest margin. I think the Bills dominated the draft. I think the Cowboys dominated the draft. I thought Denver, the Browns, the Lions, the Ravens, I thought they all did well. Uh, go Bucks. Joe, J.K. Dobbins is a stud. Anyway, I think the Jets just knocked it out of the park. I said this earlier. I think they started off strong with Becton. Uh, I talked to someone I trusted. He said that Becton was their number one offensive tackle prospect. So even if if Will slipped to that pick, they were going to take Becton all the way. Um if that's the case, then he, Joe Douglas had the, his cards fall the way he wanted them to. Um, I think they got great value with Ashton Davis. Really didn't solve the position of need, but it, and if May is out next year, which I assume he would be because he's going to be a free agent, then he's going to slot in there. Um, I think they got great value with Bryce Hall and Denzel Mims, as we said earlier. I think Zuniga is the only one I'm not sure about. Um I think James Morgan was a weird pick. LaMichael Pirine I didn't like. But I really do like their draft as a whole. I think they drafted well. Guys, give me a few teams you liked. Yeah, I'll start. I, I, you already said the Jets, so I'm not even going to talk about them. And you already said the Bills. So you, you got your typical Bills-Cowboys that everyone can agree with. I think the Ravens uh, especially had a really good draft. You're talking about they filled a hole at linebacker and Patrick Queen that they needed. They got J.K. Dobbins to put in that backfield, and you know what they want to run the football, so now they're going to be able to do it at an even better level. Then they got Justin Vatabuke to, to put on their def- defensive line, help their pass rush. Um, they needed a wide receiver, went out and got Devin Duvernay. I know you guys like him. So I thought they had a really good draft. Another team that I thought had a really underrated draft was the Carolina Panthers in Matt Rule's first-ever NFL draft. Um, he took all defensive players, which – I don't think has ever happened before in the NFL draft. Uh, you're talking about they got Derek Brown, you got Gross Matos, both really helped their pass rush after losing Luke Keekley. Then that you know that division is going to be tough in the air, so they went out and boosted their secondary. They got Jeremy Chin, who I think is a really underrated player, and then Troy Pride Jr. And then their really underrated signing was Kenny Robinson, the safety who came from the XFL and left West Virginia to go to the XFL. So. I think he's a really good player, too. I think the Panthers crossed the draft. Those are a couple of teams that I really like. Jonah, did your Packers have a good draft? What what do we got here? I feel like this question can only go one way, but I will attempt to sway it in my direction. But, yeah, everything I've attempted to read on just 
people who are commenting on the Packers, and every time I see the word love, I hope it's, oh, I love this pick, and then it's, oh, wait, no, it's Jordan Love. <laughs> like, oh, this is terrific. But, yeah, I, I feel that I like the picks a couple, like, a day after it happened. Like, every pick that happens, the first day, I'm all hopeful. Look at all these mock drafts. So we got top receivers, even, like, Denzel Mims, like you guys got way later on. But it's like, oh, you see Jalen Rieger go early, Jefferson goes early, you're like, okay, there's plenty of wide receivers here, we're just gonna pick up a wide receiver, and next year you're gonna have Devontae Adams, Bunches, hopefully they can stay on the field, and then this third receiver, now that Allison's gone, it's like, wow, we're gonna have a pretty formidable offense, so we should be able to compete like we did last year. It's like, wait. No. We've decided to take a Utah State quarterback, who, yeah, has solid potential, has a great arm, and honestly, he's probably the future of this football team. But it kind of hurts the heart of a lot of Packers fans with Aaron Rodgers getting up there with the age. And it's just a, it's a weird position because I've never been in a draft where we've drafted like my favorite players' positions. And it's like, oh, it's a weird feeling because me liking these picks would also be me being okay with a new phase of the Packers. And it's kind of weird not having Aaron Rodgers at the helm for, your, for the Packers. I mean, but, is it wrong to be like, embarrassed on the behalf of the GM that they didn't pick up one wide receiver? I think Gutekunst is in the EER with some stroke he had or something. <laughs> I also agree that it's bizarre. I saw they did add some wide receivers and uh, undrafted free agents or whatever, but definitely not the guys that I think could have an impact on the team. I saw it before the draft. They added some, probably some bum from, like, the XFL or Canadian Football League, but didn't really do too much research on him because I assume he will not be doing too much work for the Packers. <laughs> Continuing into the draft, A.J. Dillon, another interesting pick is you're like, oh, Packers are probably one of probably top five teams that have best two-headed monsters in the backfield with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So I really, thinking of A.J. Dillon, very physical runner. I like the way he runs. He seems to be pretty durable with what he did in Boston College. But I, I think the pick was 62 that they took him at. And it's kind of bizarre because for these Packers picks, I've kind of had to analyze them as if the Packers didn't have a roster. And they didn't have a <laughs> team and we were like starting an expansion team. This is Madden Ultimate Team, right? That's essentially what it is. And that's all I've been doing over the quarantine. But besides <laughs> the fact. So if I'm analyzing just straight up A.J. Dillon with no relation to what the Packers have coming back next, next year, I'm like, oh, this guy is a physical runner. He can hopefully turn into Derrick Henry in a couple of years. So honestly, I was rumored i was told that uh, aaron jones and jamal williams are coming to the free agency pretty soon i was not aware of that but if that's even the case my sources are as good as marino so they're pretty shitty so <laughs> if that's the case then i allow that pick and i feel it's a pretty valid move i guess for the future that even if you have like goal line situations i know the packers got rid of aaron ripkowski two years ago and then before that obviously they had john coon there for a while with the fullback situation and then they let go of danny vitale he went to the patriots this past year so i feel that Without having that fullback guy, I know that last year they used like Lance Kendricks is another bomb that they have, but now hopefully A.J. Dillon can kind of be that physical factor that when they get in the goal line and Matt LaFleur looks at Aaron Rodgers and they kind of just shake their head and have no idea what the fuck's going on, they just give it to A.J. Dillon and let him get in the end zone. Now, I know you told me undrafted free agent wide receivers are just as good as first rounders, right? I think it's actually a transitive property that gets you there, but <laughs> you can also look at their third round pick. Because you're like, oh, the Packers, yeah, they got rid of Jimmy Graham, who's had well, quite the year last year. I think he had maybe four catches on the year. Are we talking about Josina Anderson? No, it's Josiah DeBura. Oh, okay. Like that, but <laughs> okay. Fact, Cincinnati tight ends, just looking at his profile from a vast perspective, 
seems like he honestly, again, this is not my third round pick. I am hopefully taking someone in the third round who's going to help my football team next year. But this guy, like, again, trying to look at things with the most positivity possible, he's a guy who's going to fit into the Packers scheme with not having a fullback. And like they said, he's kind of an H-back type guy where he's going to work as a tight end, but he's not going to be the tight end by himself. They're going to have Sternberger, Lance Hendricks, one of those guys up there with him, and like a three tight end package or something like that that you can get him on the field. But I do not think Dugura or whatever, I'm probably – like not even saying the right name, but that guy that we all know I'm talking about in the third round from Cincinnati just did not make a whole lot of sense with the needs the Packers had coming into the draft. But then, honestly, as you got later into the draft, the Packers' picks, like, super low-key became more reasonable, and I was less hostile on what I needed to do with Matt LaFleur in a couple days. But <laughs> they got John Runyon from Michigan – Seems to be a pretty solid guard. I know his dad was in the NFL. Hopefully that legacy can just kind of help him get what he needs what he needs to have done to get in the best position to be a guard of the future. And then they drafted a center, Jake Hansen. I want to say he went to Oregon or Baylor, one of those green and yellow schools. And another guy who I've seen good things about. And you look at the highlights when Mel Kuyper like, starts choking on his words but tries to show you something. And he looks really promising. So I have some optimism. And they also got this Simon Stepaniak who's another offensive tackle. He's promising. These guys that they've drafted that might have been late, hopefully can have some contributions to the future, protecting, I guess, Jordan Love, who they anticipate being in their backfield. But again, they got Kamal Martin, a linebacker of Minnesota, who I know you guys aren't too far. I know, for real, uh, Marino's not too... Yeah, not the biggest fan. I do think that being on a successful college football team as Minnesota was last year, and with Antoine Winfield, who got drafted higher, working alongside of him. And I want to say Martin was the captain of the defense, or one of the captains. I don't know what the situation was in Minnesota, but I just like the fact that he's coming from a reputable school that's had success, and he's coming to a franchise like the Packers, who obviously known as Titletown. So I feel he's going to fit in there well, and they have a need in the linebacker position now that they lost Blake Martinez and Kyle Fackrell this past season both to the Giants. So hopefully... That works out. Coming in also as a veteran, hopefully can help model him a little bit as his career takes off. But I do think, as bad as the Packers draft was, I think that in the future, it's going to be a very interesting and very different offense that the Packers are going to be running that we're not exactly familiar with. I will tell you, we got about five minutes left. So I'm going to throw out a few teams that I thought lost the draft. I think, yeah, we talked about the Packers. Raiders, I think everyone agrees. They really weren't winners Seahawks as well. Patriots didn't really get any impact, guys. I threw on the Eagles. Hurts, what are they doing? Dolphins, I think Tua was a great pick, but Austin Jackson was just an embarrassment in a slot corner with 26 is also just, or was it 30 or I don't know, but Noah Igbenogamy is not the pick I think is smart. Uh, Chargers, Rams, Steelers, just not impressive. Guys, give me one team you think stood out yeah, I want to talk about the Dolphins real real quick because it felt like the Dolphins came into the draft and they, they couldn't lose because they had 14 picks. And I was fine with Tua. That was the pick they needed at, at five. But then a- after that, it was a complete guessing game. It, it felt like every pick they had between Tua Tagovailoa and Curtis Weaver was an overdraft. Yeah, they, they, Austin Jackson, who we all agree was an overdrafted offensive tackle and not the best one available. Then... Noah Igbenogamy, 
Hanani or whatever you call him. Benny, Noah Benny Hanna. I definitely don't know how to pronounce his name, but they, they drafted a corner right after signing Byron Jones, so it didn't really make sense for them. Um, and he wasn't even the best corner available, or, or even close. I felt like then we all agreed Robert Hunt was an overdrafted guard. Um, Raquan Davis felt like his value wasn't really there at fifty six, so it just felt like every pick the Dolphins made. They were overvaluing the player. I, I don't know. Maybe they know something about these prospects that none of the league knows or that we don't know. But I agree with you. It just felt like an awful draft. And then the one other team I want to talk about is the Chargers. We, we already talked about how Justin Herbert we don't think is going to be good pro. Kenneth Murray we felt like was a little overdraft. And then they, they didn't really have that, that many good picks. And they didn't pick again until 112, which I thought was a mistake trading off. So – Fair. That, that was the one other team that I felt like didn't have a very very good draft. Jonah, give me your team. Yeah, I've got a funny headline that I just got speaking of the Patriots that you mentioned. I don't know if you guys have seen this article that just came out, but it says that the kicker the Patriots drafted is Justin Rowe Rosser. Rowe Rosser. Apparently he's got some tattoo on his arm and – he claims that it's not the three percenters, which is a militia group that was formed in 20, 2008. That helps with the draft stock. Covered up for the season. But just like a random question, if you see, say this happened in the pre-draft process, and you see a guy with some sketchy type of thing that might result in some off-field actions, does that sway to anything you do in the draft process? Um, I definitely don't think that helps the draft stock. That's my first thought. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, like, I think it's definitely probable that it, it decreases your draft stock. I mean, anything off the field related definitely does not help, does not help you. There, there's nothing you can do off the field that would increase your draft draft stock, or like at the combine, for, for example. So like, we we t- we talked about Christian Fulton earlier and how he fell to sixty one because of character issues. The guy that re- really sticks out to me about this whole thing is Malik McDowell a couple of years ago out of Michigan State probably would have been a pretty high draft pick, but his interviews were cited to be the worst interviews yeah. ever. Yeah. So, um, he, his draft stock fell significantly because of that, and so, so yeah, Jonah, I, I agree with you when, when I say that anything, anything off the field related or sketchy like that definitely could decrease draft stock. Yeah. Yeah. Just going off of this, do you think Donovan Peoples Jones like forgot how to speak English or like something with his meetings he had with the team? I mean, I I I just heard that he was soft and 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 they said it was soft and he had drops. Anyway, uh, I think we got to wrap this up. Uh, I mean, thank you for tuning to Inside and Out. I hope you liked our draft analysis. Special thanks to Jonah and Jonathan for joining me. Stay safe and tune in next week.